You are listening to Destination Church Belfast weekly podcast. You can find us at www.destinationchurchbelfast.co.uk. You can also find us on Instagram and Facebook. Happy listening. Just want to say thanks to Colin for the opportunity to, to speak this morning. Um, there's nothing quite like preparing a message or a small group to find out exactly what you think about the topic that we're talking about, because um, it, it sort of hits home. Um, let me just make sure I'm on that. Yep, we're starting at that one. Um, so, yeah, as Colin said, we're, we're, we're talking about love and first love, um, and I want to, my, the title of my message today is Supernatural Love, but that, we'll get to that bit a wee bit later on, because we have a bit of a recap to go through, since this is week nine, I think. <laughs> I think so, week nine of love. So, um, yeah. Okay, so the key point of, the, of this message series is, is that we put love first and we return to the one who loved us first, to our first love and to the things we did at first. And where we've been so far, um, Colin asked the question, is there a gap in how we act regarding your first love, Jesus Christ, and loving first? We weren't looked at first experiences. The first experience of learning something is always the most formative. Um, and he asked the question again, what was your, our first experience of the love of God? Um, we looked at the value of personal experience and that God deposits himself in us by an experience of himself. Um, then we, the next week we looked at how love is not a thing, but it is a person. And, um, and God is love and he is love. And that was, um, I think that, for, that challenged me a bit, um, just finding out that, that I always knew that God is love and knew that um, sort of, I don't want to say intellectually because I'm not that smart, but I had, like a, I had, a, I had a, like an idea in my head that he is love, but um, it, it, it just challenged me to look, to look at a few different things. Um, we looked at how we are under the constant work to, to surrender um, to death, to self, and and putting down those internal voices that tell us we are not good enough. Uh, Colin gave us the example of Leonardo da Vinci and just said if, if we let, let ourselves go, he would take our hand and he would be able to paint a masterpiece. Andrew spoke on, on trust in love um, and on raising the bar and letting go. Um, I was at my uh, niece's birthday party and my nephew climbed into the middle of the, the bouncy castle. There was a bit to the right, there was steps to go up and the left was the slide to come down. And he climbed onto the middle bit with his back to me and then just back flipped off. Didn't tell me he was doing it, just went for it. And I caught him and I was like, that's really cool. And he was like, was it safe? And I'm like, well, it is now that I know that you're doing it, but <laughs> it wasn't that first time. But uh, he just had the trust that I was standing behind him so I would catch him. Um, and so Andrew asked us to raise the bar on letting go of our stuff and just knowing that God will always catch us. Um, Colin spoke last week about letting love in, and he really challenged us with the, the statement that love is funded in and by itself. And whenever we don't believe that we have um, the ability to love in a certain situation, if we let love in, we find that we'll always have what we need and so much more. Um, and so that's where we're, we're starting today. Um, I wanted to tell you a bit of a, bit of a personal story to start. So um, about a year before I, I met Ruth, 
maybe a year, 18 months before I met Ruth, I'd recently become single. Um, and in that, the end of that relationship, it wasn't my choice. Uh, the, the, the girl finished the relationship. Um, and I was devastated, because at the time, it was a relationship that meant uh, everything to me. And I had left um, a lot uh, in my life, and I was fully committed to this relationship. Um, looking back now, I can see that it wasn't the, wasn't the right relationship at all. Um, it wasn't the foundations for it. Definitely, definitely weren't in the right place, and it wasn't a, it wasn't a good relationship. But at the time, without the, the, the benefit of hindsight, I was, I, was, I was totally devastated. And I vowed to myself and spoke it out that I would never love again. Because um, when we love someone, you're literally, you're placing your heart in their hands and you're asking them to care for it and not to hurt it. And my heart at the time had been completely shattered and I wasn't prepared to let that happen again. Now skip forward a couple of years. Um, Ruth has just moved back from Cumbria and we're deciding to give our relationship another go after you know, breaking up numerous times. All of which were, were Ruth as well. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I have to keep reminding her. Um, the relationship then uh, was developing and starting to get a bit more serious. And Ruth had told me a few times that she loved me. Um, and I was unable to say it back. Um, I, I just couldn't bring to myself to admit that I loved her. I knew that I did, but I was holding back because I was afraid of being hurt again. Um, thankfully, she could see that I loved her. Um, and that she was prepared to wait. Or my past hurt could have shaped my life entirely differently um, because it was a crossroads moment and the other road didn't lead to here. Um, 1 Corinthians 13, 48 says, love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it does not dishonor others, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. That is the only um, translation and version of that passage that I've ever heard, normally at weddings. Um, and that was until a couple of years ago when I was listening to a podcast um, with Chris Vallotton and he's one of the senior pastors um, and leaders in the, the Bethel Church in Redding, California. Um, and in that time, he was talking in this podcast about his son, and his son was going through a divorce. Um, and he was talking about how for six months, it really affected his life because um, his son was going through the divorce. He loved his son, he loved his daughter-in-law, he loved his grandkids, and it was all a mess. And for six months, he was struggling to get off the sofa. He was struggling to cope with what was going on around him. Um, and it got to the stage where his wife said, you need to get some professional help. Um, so he went and seen a, a Christian psychologist. Um, so in his first meeting with the psychologist, the psychologist said, so what's the issue? And Chris said, my son's going through a divorce. My grandkids are going through this and that. I haven't been able to get off the sofa. And the psychologist said, so what's the issue? And Chris said, maybe he didn't hear me. Maybe he didn't understand what I was saying. So he said, my son's going through a divorce. And my grandkids are going through this and that. 
I haven't been able to get off the sofa. And so God said, so what's the issue? And Chris said, maybe this is, uh, maybe this is reverse psychology. Maybe he wants me to get so angry that I forget about where I am in life. So he said, my son's going through a divorce. My grandkids are going through this and that. I'm unable to get off the sofa. And the psychologist said, what's the issue? And Chris said, I, I don't understand your question because I'm telling you what the issue is. And the psychologist then read this version of that passage. Love suffers long. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. I believe that's the new King James um, translation for anybody that's interested. And he said, Chris, you're suffering because you love your son and you love your grandkids. Your kids and your son are in trouble. It would be weird if you weren't suffering. Um, and so Chris left thinking, I'm doing it right. I'm loving right because they're in trouble and I'm suffering. Um, so in that, in that passage, love suffers long. The word used for suffers long in the Greek um, I wish Leslie was here because she said on, on uh, Thursday night at small group that in, in English we only have one word for love and it means so much. Well, the, the, the Greeks, they had, they had many. The only problem is they're pronounced like this and they didn't give us English versions of them. So <laughs> the word for suffers long is makrothermia um, and it is best translated as patience, forbearance, long-suffering, and slowness in avenging wrongs. If we had a word um, that meant the opposite of short-tempered in English, this would be a close interpretation of it. Most of the time when we talk about patience, perseverance, and endurance, we're talking about them in terms of the circumstances that we're facing in our life at the minute. Here we go again. Macrothemia is different um, as it is all those things but it's not about circumstances, it's all those things, but they are directed in love towards a person. It is an intentional action endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. It means choosing to overlook something that was annoying, hurtful, or unkind, rather than picking a fight and getting even. Our ability to love others is dependent on how much suffering we're prepared to go through for that person how much we're going to risk letting our hearts being hurt. And I need to just interject a wee point here. I want to say that I'm not speaking about abusive relationships, whether it's physical, sexual, emotional. That's not the sort of suffering I'm talking about. And if you find yourself in a relationship like that, speak to Colin um, and he will help you get out of it. Um, So we've all been hurt and we've all suffered because of a relationship. Because like the psychologist said, it would be weird if we hadn't. The issue comes if you don't deal with the hurt and suffering in a healthy manner and you let it have a negative impact on your ability to love and to receive love. Um, I'd spoke a word over my life that was damaging and could have proved costly. I'd started to believe the lie that love isn't worth the suffering. We need to reflect and make sure that there are no past hurts stopping us from fully committing our hearts to love. Reflect on your relationships. Where are you holding something back because of a previous hurt? 
reflect on your relationship with God? Have you um, experienced hurt or disappointment? And you need to recalibrate yourself to the truth that love is very much worth it. Matthew 22, 37 to 40, Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Jesus said that if we truly love God and our neighbor, we will naturally keep the rest of the commandments. He looks at the laws handed down to the Jews positively. Rather than worrying about what we shouldn't do or we shouldn't be doing, he says, concentrate on what you can do. Concentrate on your love for God and your love for the others and everything else will take care of yourself. Oh. Um, to love our neighbor as ourself, we need to know two things. We need to know what love is and the band Foreigner I've been asking that question from the mid-80s. <laughs> I want to know what love is. <laughs> um, could you give them an answer? If not, where have you been for the past eight weeks? Um, and we need to know that we are loved. God loves you. You are the object of his love. Knowing this is imperative. You're deeply and unconditionally loved. God loved us first. He is the source of our love. But before we can give this love, we need to receive it for ourselves. You can't give what you don't have. Verse 39, love your neighbor as yourself. What we think and believe about ourselves have an, has an impact on how we love and receive love. Do you have a positive outlook on your relationship with God? Or do you find yourself constantly saying, how could he love me? Look at everything that I get wrong. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres, love never fails. Have you ever considered how to apply that to yourself? If we can't do it with ourselves, how are we possibly gonna do it with other people? Where is your identity rooted? We need to live our lives as children of the King, enjoying and participating in the banquet that he provides. And too often we relegate ourselves to just being subjects happy to be in the room. Relegating yourself to being a subject leads to condemnation, always being on edge, waiting to see what mood the king is in to see if you're gonna be ejected. As a child, you know you're secure. You know this is your house. There may be conviction. You might get told to take your shoes off the sofa or ask to help Hoover, but you have no fear of being ejected. I would say that this is one of the benefits of having a prodigal experience. You know the ring is on your finger and you know where you belong. The second son in the prodigal son story, he started to question his identity. Why do you love him more than me? Look at all that I've done for you. 
the second son starts to relegate himself from a child to a subject because it's all about what he's done. If left unchecked, that relegation will cause the second son to leave the house feeling unloved and resentful. Whether it is as a prodigal or a second son, we need to come to the realization that we are children of the king. We need to yada gnosko know. We must intimately know it doesn't come from the soul. It's not a product of our mind, our will, or our emotions. It's a spirit-to-spirit connection. It's a bond, a tie that can't be challenged or broken. I have a Christian friend who was struggling with some stuff, um, and we had a conversation about it. And I asked him, what does the Bible say about the truth of that situation? And he was able to name me and rhyme off five or six scriptures um, about it. And I said, and he said, I know all this stuff, but I'm still struggling. And I, I don't, I, it was just funny because we, where we were at the time. But I said, listen, I'm a Manchester United fan. And I could tell you a lot of facts and a lot of figures about every one of their players. I could tell you how many goals have scored, how many assists they've made. I could tell you who was player of the season and this, that and the other. But I don't actually know them. I just know about them. Um, and he was mistaken knowing what the Bible says for knowing God's heart. The Bible is awesome. It is the key to the relationship, but it's only our key to unlocking that relationship with God. It points to his character and to his heart, but for us, knowing it isn't knowing him. Um, in small group the other week, we were discussing that concept, um, and I, I had an analogy, and it's, it's not my greatest work, but I'll I'm, I'm going I'm to use it again. And I said, it's like having a Maud's Pooh Bear ice cream. I could have had a Maud's ice cream and I could describe it to you. Um, but if you had one yourself, that experience would be so much better than my description. Um, love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. It's a great job. The writer does a great job describing to us the heart of God and how he loves us. And I could do the same with the Pooh Bear ice cream. I could tell you it's creamy, like a thick, rich, velvety cream. It's sweet, but not too sweet. And when you get that bit of honeycomb, it just melts away in your mouth, and it's like finding a pot of gold at the end of a rainbow. Sounds amazing, but wait till you try it. It's even better. It's the same with God's love. The description is good, but the experience is better. Ephesians 3, 16 to 19 says this. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that, our, that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide, how long, how deep is the love of Christ and to know that this love 
that surpasses all understanding that you may be filled to the measure of the fullness of God. Can I get the worship guys up? Sonny wants to find Ruth. That'd be good. Um, God's love needs to be experienced. We can, full, we can never fully understand it, so we need to experience it. We need to be utterly ruined by it so that its effect is undeniable in our lives. And that will happen differently for each one of us. For Colin, it was a car filled up with love as he was driving to Carrick that led him to being so emotionally ruined that he could be loved that much that he was crying snot bubbles everywhere. For Isaac, a couple of weeks ago, it was when a young 10-year-old boy was upset and angry because he was fed up knowing about God. And he had an encounter that let him know that he is loved by God. And if he keeps on pursuing his king, that encounter will mark not only his life, but the life of his children and his children's children. For others, it will just be a more stoic realization of the peace that comes from being known and loved by the king. For me, um, it was, in, it was in Phoenix, Arizona. And I had an experience where I was so destroyed by the, by the love of God that I will never, ever be the same again. I don't question his love for me anymore at all. It just doesn't come into my mind. No matter what your circumstances are, he loves you. How much he loves us cannot be measured by the circumstances we are going through. You have been listening to Destination Church Belfast weekly podcast. Remember to check us out at www.destinationchurchbelfast.co.uk and have a great week.